I came to a crossroads in my life. Like I could choose to be angry, I could choose to be bitter, I could choose to fight for what's mine, um, you know, what I believe is mine, and I could bring you know, all that negativity into this next season of my life. Yeah. But I, I chose to forgive, and I chose to focus on myself, on my faith, and on my kids. And that was really the focus, and I knew this was a good place to be, yeah. to do that. Thank you for listening to the Collective Church Podcast. Collective is a church for the rest of us, which means if you've never been to church, walked away from the church, or are struggling to find a church to connect with, you belong here. Every Thursday, we are sharing a new episode in our Your Story Matters podcast series. This is an opportunity for people from Collective to be real about their brokenness and what God has done and is doing in their lives. These stories will be real and raw and vulnerable, and we hope they encourage and inspire you in your own faith to share your story. To watch the sermons from the Your Story Matters series or to find out more, you can head to www.mycollective.church YSM. We hope you enjoy these stories. Thank you for listening to the Your Story Matters podcast, a podcast that has been a year-long journey of people from Collective sitting down and sharing uh, very vulnerably, very honestly about their life, um, the highs and lows, the good and the bad, um, ultimately all the things that they've seen God work through. And we actually only have a few episodes left as we hit the full year mark of this podcast. And so um, it's been incredible and amazing. Um, and so I do want to say if you're picking this up for the first time, maybe you're new to Collective or um, you stumbled across this on social media. I'm really excited for you to hear the story that you're going to hear today, but I also want to encourage you to go back and listen from the start because um, you're going to see a lot uh, of who God is and how good he is and the highs and lows of life um, through uh, Jess and Cole's story, but also it's the power of all these stories together that really tell um, who God is and how he can show up in our low moments, how he's with us in kind of those mountaintop moments, um, how when you're going through those terrible things in life, God really is the only one who can pull you out of that. And he does that through people and through scripture and through community. Um, but I just want to encourage you, uh, once you get done with this one today, jump back to the beginning. Um, yes, it's about 50 episodes, but yes, it is very much worth your time. And um, you just get to hear some incredible vulnerability from people who have been through real things, things that you've probably been through as well. Um, and so I'm excited today for you guys to be with me, Justin Cole. You know, this has been a, a journey even to get to this point. And I, from the start, just want to thank you guys for the willingness to do this because um, everybody is vulnerable on the podcast um, and some vulnerability is a little bit more fresh than others and, and yours is pretty fresh right now, but I'm excited for us to be able to do this today and, and you leaning in on that. And um, like I said, people will, will learn more about that later, um, but this is a really, really cool opportunity for you guys to share a little bit more of your story that is kind of known right now. Yeah, in that way. And so, Jess, what we're going to do is we're going to start with you. Tell us about your childhood. Tell us about your family. Where did you grow up? Um, what was faith like in that childhood? Um, kind of take us up to really that middle school, high school range when like life changes a little bit. Um, but what was that like for you? Sure. So I grew up in the Midwest. Um, my family's from the South, um, from Louisiana. Is That's where my parents met at a church down there back in the like late 70s, early 80s. Um, and when I was two or three, we moved up to Indiana okay. um, and lived in South Bend for a few years. That's where my sisters were both born. Um, and then when I was seven, we moved to Ohio. Um, and so we moved, each, each move in my childhood was because of my dad's job. So okay. he was in yeah. ministry. And oh, okay. just, yeah, he was in television ministry and... What? I don't think I knew that. Okay, so he was in ministry, so it was, it was church-related, essentially. It was always church-related, okay. yeah. So he was, um, he was a television producer for televangelists. Yes. Um, so back in the 80s, he worked for Jimmy Swaggart in what? Louisiana. Uh-huh. Oh, my yeah. gosh. Uh-huh. And then in Indiana, he worked for Lester Sumrall. Okay, uh, so hold South on. Bend. Yeah. For those I've you, already derailed. For those of you... <laughs> No, hold on. Like, for those of you who don't know what, like, who those guys are, 
you you need to pause right now and just Google it. Um, it's very different now. Televangelists, eh, it might have been shady back in the day. It's way worse now, you know. Um, but there's actually a movie that came out last year about Tammy Faye Baker and, like, the televangelism side of things like that. But it was, like, this high-power high energy, high engagement, like go, 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 go type of ministry. Um, weirdly enough, like televangelism, like when it first started to like cutting edge in a lot of things, the church is not cutting edge in 90% of what it does tends to be behind culture. But that actually like changed how the way they do a lot of like live produced, like communication pieces, award show stuff like that was televangelism because they were trying to get this thing church into your home uh, in such an engaging way. And so your dad was a producer on that stuff? He was. Before I was born, before my parents even got married, all the way up until 2008 when the market crashed. And um, so there's a lot to, like, get to. Yeah. But, yeah, he worked for Lester Starmel in South Bend. And then and he actually worked with the same group of people or the same person okay. who um, he sort of, like, moved with. Yeah. Did you go to those churches then? Like, how uh, does yeah. that work? Yeah. I, so I went to, um, what was it called? Uh, the, the church in South Bend, something Christian Center. Yeah. Um, Lester Summerall's church. And we actually, we moved from Indiana to Ohio. Summerall died in the early 90s. Okay. And that's when we moved to okay. Columbus, Ohio. And my dad, for 10 years, worked for Rod Parsley at World Harvest Church. That's the church I grew up in. Yeah, so you you actually go to those churches? I went to all of them. All right. Okay. All right. I'm done derailing that. I I have so many questions Uh to ask you later. All right. So you're in Ohio, and what is that like? So from 1996 to 2006, we lived in Ohio. I grew up in that church. Um, The church seats over 5,000 people. And there were some services that we had overflow for, some like special events. We yeah. had what was called Dominion Camp Meeting every year, and it's where, I mean, more than 5,000 people yeah. showed up. But, yeah, so I, I grew up in a mega ministry. I grew up yeah. very much behind the scenes because um, my dad worked for their television ministry, and he also directed on Sunday morning. Yeah. So he directed all the tech stuff and... Um, the cameras and put all that together. And so a lot of my childhood was uh, running around the church in places that kids probably shouldn't have been. Um, In the studio and in the editing rooms and the sound booth. And uh, and so it was was a lot of fun. Like it was a a way to connect with my dad because as you know, ministry is a grind. Um, He was not home a ton. He worked really, really long hours. And so that was like really my connection um, with him. So the church we were a part of also had a private school and a Bible college and sure. you know international ministries. So I went to that church. My dad worked for the church. My mom worked for HR for the church. <laughs> I went to the private school. So I really, like when I say I grew up in that church, I yeah. totally spent the majority of my childhood there. And I have two younger sisters. They were also a part of all of that as yeah. well. Let's talk about we'll talk about megachurches for a second. So megachurches is anything over two thousand people. If you're over a thousand, they call you like an emerging megachurch. Um, you know, there's all these like metrics of like once you get past this number, you easily hit the next number. Blah blah blah. Did you know? Because like a church of you have five thousand seats, right? It's not a five thousand person church. This is like a 10, 15, 20,000 person church. And then the impact of the, of the um, online or the television ministry is also like in typically in the tens, if not hundreds of thousands of people pre YouTube days, even where access was a television channel or like a dedicated website rather than like Googling these things. Did you know that that was different? Because it's funny now, like collective is growing and like there's people like, it's just too big. And you're like, have you been to a church of 10,000, you know? But uh, yeah. was that like, you're like, this is what normal is. Did you like have this sense of this is special, unique, different? Like, did you have any idea? I had no concept okay. that anything else existed. That was my entire faith experience. Yeah. That's where, you know, I lived out my faith and I learned about what faith was, but the church was very 
fire and brimstone. Yeah. We had miracle and healing services. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, you give as much as you can so you can receive as much as you can yeah. and you only receive if you give and like the blessings rain down yeah. from heaven. So it's very much, you know, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, you can't see it just as a hand motion where it rained down, which is yeah. even better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so, so that did lead to a little bit of disconnect in yeah. my faith, um, particularly with what, what a church community yeah. should feel like. Yeah. The faith was always there. We invested our whole lives into that place, and I saw my parents live out their faith um, and was involved um, in serving from a really young age. Um, but like the intimacy yeah. with Jesus wasn't really there. In some ways, I can look back and see actually how it was in ways I didn't know. So one thing the church did really well was praise and worship. So on Sunday morning, there you know was a whole choir. Sure. And then they had an ensemble. They've since actually gotten rid of the choir, and now it's just it's not an cool ensemble. Anymore. No, yeah. it's not. Yeah. So there's like you know six to eight. Um, singers up on this on the platform but the the praise and worship was so high energy yeah and I just loved observing it like being in that space and observing it and sort of like soaking it in yeah and so worship has always been a huge part of my spiritual growth um I was not given talents (laughs) in music (laughs) and singing I feel that but I have always connected really deeply with worship and that's something that's helped me get through some of the hard parts of my life so so yeah it was uh i'm not sure if you want to unpack more of like that yeah well i just think it's interesting because a lot of people shared on the podcast like growing up in the catholic church what that was like we have a decent amount of people who didn't grow up in the church cole i know you're going to share a little bit about like growing up in like a non-denominational christian church which we've had like a, a good amount of people do that but i think you're the first person who like grew up in not just a big church right because they're you know we can argue about what's what's a big church but like you're the first person to sit down at the table who like, it's like mega, mega, it's a world. Like it's a city essentially that exists inside of this church community. And, you know, one of the things that's tricky about churches that size is they tend to do things really well. You know, they're, they're a machine and they have to be. Great worship. Typically the preaching is very engaging, even if it's a little bit off base with like prosperity driven gospel. There's some irony in, in growing up in a church like that in light of some of the things that you guys have experienced in your life and specifically later on where it's like, there's been some rough things. And if you stayed kind of in that trajectory, you would really wrestle with, what did I do wrong to deserve these things, which is not at all the way that it works. So like there is some of the the toxicity of that, the prosperity gospel side, but typically worship's great. Preaching's pretty strong. Um, they have every activity under the sun for your family, schools, you know, the, the VBS style, but it's like a full on carnival. Like this is a, this is a very different thing. And so um, but for you, you're saying kind of similar things to people who grew up in the Catholic Church, which is, hey, there's some things about it that meant some a little bit of a disconnect between me and my like intimacy and faith in Jesus. But I enjoyed scripture and I enjoyed worship and I enjoyed, you know, this idea of God and what he brought without like the, that really personal side of things. So I just think it's really important to point out that it doesn't matter what type of church you grew up in. The personal relationship with Jesus stuff is all about us. It's about us and our process and us wrestling and us leaning in, finding a community to be a part of reading scripture because it doesn't matter if the church is 10, 20, 30,000 people or 50 people and they sing hymns. It's on us to figure that out. So it's really interesting because I just want to push that um, for people who are listening um, because really it's universally true no matter how you grew up. I think when we've shared this in like our stories, I think like growing up, your world was like very much like very this. Small. Okay. And I'm like, and mine was very much like I saw all kinds of things. Yeah. And I saw like, you know, went to public school, did all these kind of things. It's just a very, even though I had, even though faith was like, I would say the center component. So we shared that the way we came up and like the things we experienced because you went to a private school and mm-hmm. stuff like that. It's just very, yeah. it's very different. My world was very small. It was the church. And then my sisters and I were competitive swimmers. So I think I I would describe my childhood as very straight and narrow because I was either literally in the church building doing something sure, or I was in the pool with my head underwater so I couldn't get in trouble, you know, like, (laughs) so so it was those two places. So were most of your, you you graduated from, did you move again? I moved three weeks, four weeks before my senior year of high school. 
my dad, well, actually earlier that summer, he got a job offer to work at a ministry in Tampa, Florida. I don't believe it exists anymore because shortly after we moved down there, a lot of things imploded. Um, But we talked about it as a family that summer, you know, before my senior year of high school and uh, made the decision to move from Ohio to Florida. So I ended up graduating from a high school in Clearwater, Florida. So... You spent most of your middle school and high school years in Ohio, mega, mega, mega church. You know, what What was that like? Because um, I joked earlier that when churches are that big, it's kind of like a city, but it is, it's its own world. Like it, it exists kind of within itself. So what was that like in your teenage years with church and, and life and all that? Yeah, I mean, I threw myself into it. Um, even with that like disconnect with the faith and the sure. relationship with Jesus, I still was totally, totally in it. Um, I was like on a lyrical dance team. Oh, yeah. And we had like Christmas productions. Yeah. We had a Halloween production. Ooh, that's mm-hmm. edgy. It was called, I don't think they do it anymore. It was called Master's Welcome, and it was this whole like scary oh, yeah, production, yeah, yeah, yeah. and the tagline yeah. was, it'll scare the hell out of you. So just tuck that one away, Michael, yeah. for okay. future. I've got a creative list yeah. and it's going on there. Okay, i got to use that at yeah. some point. Um, and, you know, served on Sunday mornings um, in, like, the special needs classroom. Cool. Um, and in some of the other Sunday school classrooms. So spending that amount of time in one place and yeah. having this, like, sort of small yeah. world, again, kept me on the straight and narrow. But... By the time I got to high school, I was I was pretty tired. Yeah. I was pretty worn out with the same going to the same place every single Sunday, every single Monday through Friday. Yeah. And I had wonderful experiences in all of the things that I did, but there was actually a relief when my dad, you know, that summer before my senior year of high school said, "Hey, we're going to take the leap of faith. We're going to move um, my sisters, I remember, they were a lot younger at the time. They didn't handle it as well, sure. but I was so ready. Yeah. I had wonderful friends um, and and good experiences in Ohio, but um, yeah, I was just worn out. Yeah, honestly, like same yeah. same thing year after year for ten years. Yeah, and looking back, um, that's one of the best things that happened for my faith good. because we moved to Florida a few weeks before um, school started. Um, got into the private school there in Clearwater, and at first I definitely felt like a fish out of water sure. because a lot of the seniors had been through a similar experience as I had, so they had all like grown up together and knew each other really well, and it was just me and one other um, girl that year who who was new to wow. the school, and my senior graduate like my graduating class was forty people. Okay. I think. Wow. Um, so it was really small. It was already really tight knit. It was intimate, um, and I, um, yeah. So I felt a little bit like a fish out of water, but very, very quickly um, found some people that I really connected with, and this group of students. Um, they were juniors and seniors. Um, we sort of formed this um, student-led, like worship slash Bible study, cool. and we would meet. I don't know if it was weekly or monthly. I, I honestly don't remember, but we would meet frequently and a couple of the guys could play guitar and then we had like bongo drums. There you go. <laughs> I yeah. know that sounds yeah. like... I mean, it was like Worship know, 101 back at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. so we would just like go down to the beach and we would sing and we would hang out and talk. And um, I think it was really the first experience where it was like, oh, this is Christian community. Yeah. This group of 10 people who I can know more intimately and who are my age, who are like living out their faith um, in a way that even at a Christian school was like very unashamed, you know, because it just wasn't it wasn't the the norm even at a Christian school to be that like to to be that proactive um, and to push your faith in that way and challenge yourself. So from there, just having that experience, my faith grew. And so a lot of my late teens and early 20s was that clicking, you know, like I can have intimate Christian community. Um, I can talk about harder things and I can dig into my faith with 
with other people. Yeah, and for people that don't know Jess, like that is your sweet spot, right? And so a lot of your faith growing up, while there were good experiences, you know, I imagine there's this decent amount in like middle school and high school where you're like, okay, like this is good, I believe in God, but I feel like a square peg in a round hole kind of thing because how God's created you didn't quite match with you know, the, the faith childhood that you have, then all of a sudden you move to a new place and it kind of snaps in going, Oh crap. Like this is, this is how specifically you are designed. Like we're all designed to have these intimate relationships. Um, but that is like your sweet spot. And so did that feel oftentimes when people kind of experience those things, there's like kind of this mix of like frustration cause they haven't had that sooner or relief. Cause they're like, I've been, longing for this I didn't know what the longing was but all of a sudden it kind of clicks and go oh yeah like so for you what did that feel like do you feel like it just like took off from there or was it still kind of like I'm, I'm figuring this out oh there's so much relief and yeah, that I felt okay. so seen by other people but also by Jesus and yeah. I realized that the transactional understanding like the understanding yeah. of God that I had and Jesus that I had growing up was very transactional it's like yeah. I had to do certain things and if I didn't receive what I thought I was supposed to it was because I wasn't doing yep. enough and so this experience taught me that Jesus is just there yes. and I get to yeah. just spend time with him and there yeah. was such a relief like you know it's something I've carried for most of my life and still even now and I probably will always process it but I, I there's definitely always a sense of I'm not doing good enough yeah. I've done something wrong yeah. and so that's why this is happening. And if I had done something differently, I wouldn't be experiencing this. So there's always that underlying yeah. lie that I have to address. And, but yeah, it was, it was wonderful yeah. too. And, and that group of students too, we ended up sort of, um, it was pretty much all of us and maybe a few outliers actually from another Christian school. We went to Guatemala okay. that year. And so that was my first experience with, um, with missions and yep. we worked at um for i think it was like a week and a half or so we were there we worked at um a school for girls cool. and the boys went and like dug wells and yep. yeah, it's um, like every mission know, trip <laughs> go dig a well yeah, yeah. Like, like, girls right. go play with the kids yeah yeah yep. um yeah well and guys too. go do all the the hard work but uh it was a it was a really good experience and again drew me closer to god through the intimacy of that yeah. experience as well and just like the beauty of guatemala and the people there yeah. and like oh my gosh it's such a beautiful place where we were well and seeing something different yeah right exactly. to go from like massive church that has everything that a church could ever need to a place where they have nothing but faith does not feel different you know that's one of the the tensions of of global missions and one of the things that we lament with covid and how it's impacted the ability to do global missions is that people kind of lost out on that opportunity to see that faith is faith whether or not you have a 50 million dollar budget or a five dollar budget because again it's about the presence of god how he's always there it's about intimacy with other people and like the community side and so for you personally i imagine that was like doubling down on some of the things that you'd been experiencing, seeing it in another place going, oh yeah, this, this, this is the feeling, this is it. Like, I don't need to have, you know, the whole production side of things in order to be kind of worshipful and um, to experience, to experience God. Did that create any tension with you, like in your dad's job? I think it did. Yeah. Yeah. I started seeing more faith and action at that point when I was in that community of people. Um, whereas like growing up in television ministry, yeah, I, I struggled with yeah. the production part of it yep. and the um, this like big overwhelming yep. part of it. And I don't, I don't know that I struggled in my relationship with my dad because of like that part of it. I think it was, I struggled actually in my relationship with my dad because of how much it took. Sure of him sure. and from him and at that age I didn't understand yeah. that um, he had dedicated so much of his life to ministry it was more like dad isn't here yeah. he's not here until seven yeah. eight o'clock at night or he's stressed to the max yeah. all the time so I think that's where it created some some tension for me growing up and then at that point my late teens and early 20s 
it just really made me question what the church is yep. and what it's meant to be. Yep. And there's always been a little bit of tension yeah. with the production yeah. side of things and like yeah. the, this is who we are, you know. Yeah, which we'll, we'll get to a little bit more uh-huh. <laughs> too at some point because like you end up at Collective, which is this weird kind of combo, I guess, where there is a high value on doing things well, but also a high value on like intimacy and friendships. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure there's more battling there internally, um, especially as collective grows. But before we get to that point, like you have kind of these life changing experiences in your late teens, early twenties. What does that lead to? How long did you stay in Florida? Like, cause at some point you end up, what's weird about Jess's story is that at some point Jess ends up at a church, of friends of mine, which is just like a weird coincidence, but kind of get us through those late teen years and on because there's still so much more that happens in between then and Frederick. Yes, there's a lot. So I graduated from um, my school in Clearwater and at the time, I don't know if they still do it, the state of Florida does this, but um, because of my GPA, I earned a 75% scholarship to any Florida school, Oh, cool! which was incredible. Um, and so I chose Florida Gulf Coast University okay. in Fort Myers, Florida. Yeah. So I moved from Clearwater to Fort Myers and spent about two and a half years there. Um, I went into college excited about it, but not fully knowing or understanding exactly what I wanted to do. Again, probably because I had just this one really compact life yeah. and was still sort of discovering, like, what I wanted to do and who I wanted to be and really struggled with doing something that wasn't aligned with that sure. authentically. Yeah. So I did spend two and a half years there, loved it. It was a really fun school to go to, um, very close to the beach and we had a waterfront and- yeah. um, It's at the beach, which is like the main oh, thing. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it was yeah. still like a good 30 minutes to the beach, but I went often with yeah. friends. So at, at my university, there was a small ministry called Christian Campus Fellowship. And so it's a group of like 30 to 40 of us who met wow. every week. So, I, you know, I went from high school, that finding that intimacy and then going to college and knowing like I need that in yeah. my life. Found it through CCF, made really great friends there. Two important ones. One was someone I eventually married. Yeah. <laughs> and then the other was my friend Amy. And about two years into school, she she was like, hey, I'm moving to Charlotte. And I was like, hey, I'm looking for something different because I'm tired already of this and not really sure like exactly what I'm doing um, and what degree I want even. And was, yeah, just like for the first time, like really struggling in school because of that. And I was like, you're moving to Charlotte? Okay, My, the guy I'm dating, his family lives right outside of Charlotte. So this sounds fun. I was like, let's go. <laughs> so Amy and I moved from Fort Myers to Charlotte together and she was connected to a ministry at UNC um, Charlotte, which yeah. I don't think they call it that anymore, but, um, or maybe they do. Um, but so there were two girls up there who we ended up finding um, a room with, and this was in like 2009. Um, and so in Charlotte at the time, we got a two-story, four-bedroom house for $900. So, of course. It was dirt cheap. <laughs> and uh, so I just, for a year, I just uh, I took time off of school and I was working as a lifeguard at the time teaching swim lessons and I was also the sign artist at Trader Joe's in Charlotte yeah one of the locations there Um, and so that was really a fun year for me and there in Charlotte I ended up finding a church plant that I was a part of and uh, they're doing great by the way like a few years ago they got their own building and moved into it and everything Um, What's the name of the church? Hope Church. Okay. Charlotte. That, so, like, one of the things that's true is, like, that area, the Charlotte area, but the UNC area specifically, like, UNC is, it's a really hard area for churches. Charlotte has a ton of churches, but one of the tensions is they have probably one of the five largest churches in America elevation. out there, Elevation, you know, and they've got many campuses. So, like, their main campus, the Ballantyne campus, like, is big, but it's not that big, but they have a ton of campuses. Did you even try to go there? I did once yeah. for some like young adult yeah. program or event. I don't even remember what it was. I think it was like a worship night. Yeah. But it was also a fundraiser for something. I think I genuinely don't remember. But 
I knew. Yeah. I like, this this already is a feel and nothing against elevation. Yeah. Um, but I I knew I was like this. I can just sense that yeah. this is not quite where I want to be. And so I ended up yeah finding Hope cool. Church and they had just planted. I mean, gosh, not that long before yeah. I was there like within the first year or two yeah. and was a part of their young adult ministry, started like a prayer group there, made great friends there. And so kind of taking one step back when I moved from Florida to Charlotte, my then boyfriend moved who I eventually married, moved up to DC okay. yeah. to start his job. Um, but I kind of took that like in between space yeah. um, because we weren't married yet and I wasn't ready to move up to DC. Um, so at the end of that year is when we got married okay. and I ended up in Northern Virginia. So I'm inching closer yeah. to Frederick. <laughs> yeah. How old were you when you got married? 21. Yeah. I was a baby. Yeah. So you moved to Springfield, Virginia, right? Yes. Just outside of DC. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. Wood, Woodbridge. And he, my ex-husband, he found, he actually found the journey okay. church in Springfield, which is where we went yeah. for eight years. Wow. There was like a little like weird spot in there where we tried another church, but didn't work out. And <laughs> yeah. we went back to the journey where like, we're, that was dumb and started our life, our married life up in Northern Virginia and definitely culture shock Yeah, going from the South. Yep to Northern Virginia in the DC metro area. You know, you yeah. like grew up in that yeah. area as well. It's just so transient yeah. and really difficult to find close, meaningful relationships um, just because, you know, people are there for a year or two and then yeah. they're gone because they're government or they're military, yeah. the majority of people yeah. there. But the journey really allowed me to again invest myself into a smaller community it was a little bit bigger than hope church but um, not so massive that i felt lost in it served there led the moms group um, the play group so the first couple of years were good it was just you know us adjusting to life up there adjusting to married life Um, and then evelyn was born in 2013 and i think that's when things really shifted Um, that same year it was around the time of her birth or like shortly after, shortly before or shortly after he got essentially what's equivalent to like a promotion yeah. um, with his, in his, um, in the agency that he works for and his time and effort and energy, there was already so much demand on that and this just created even more. Hmm. And so there was like a, there was a little bit of a snap there because, um, you know, he, he shifted into a new team and a new role. Um, I had Evelyn, so then shortly after getting married, we were suddenly adjusting yeah. to more demand, you know, in his job, and yeah. then a baby, yeah. and that like rocked my world. Um, I struggled with postpartum anxiety after Evelyn was born, yeah. and it just created a lot of tension in sure. our marriage. Well, and I, I think too, just to give a little bit of context for the journey, the journey is one of our supporting churches which we love them dearly for that. But one thing that's true about the journey is they've got like a 50% turnover year over year with their church attendance. And so they consistently stay in like the 400-ish range, but because of the area, there is that 50%, 50%. And they're, it's, it's crazy. So like they'll get hundreds of first-time guests every year, but the church kind of stays at this number because of that space. And so you have, it's a wonderful church community, but relationally it's tricky there because the people that you get close to do leave or their spouses are in similar industries that your ex was in where time doesn't exist. So there you are in 2013. Um, postpartum is not something we're talking about in 2013. We don't talk about enough in 2023, right? And we're very woke right now. We're very aware of these things. And yet we still don't give women's space for that. Um, but on top of that, your ex is now kind of working these hours that are equally demanding as like the childhood hours of your father, which you still haven't quite, you know, put your thumb on like, Hey, this is the tension. So yeah, you said it like there starts to be a break, but it's like, there's all these things kind of stacking up kind of against you guys really against you. A lot of things that you have to like figure out, but it's like, how do you figure that out with a newborn at home dealing with the the emotions of that? But also like 
a husband whose hours are ridiculous, not around at the times that you lament not having your father around for, you know, we, we have all those, those kind of things. They always kind of circle back for some reason. So you said things started to break. Like what, what did that feel like? You know, did you feel kind of that first kind of breaking point relationally with God? Like, did you feel close to him? Was there some distance because of like the combination of, of things? Cause it, you know, one of the things that's true and this is so hard is we often have these moments in our faith that are like way better than others. And I'm not talking about like bad things that happen. I'm just talking about like the, the stars align and we're in the right place at the right time with the right people. And man, we feel so close to Jesus. And it's not that Jesus has ever been further or closer, but it's just like the circumstances around you make it just feel just so much more present. And you've had a lot of that, a lot of really good of that. And even in this scenario, which is a good church and a good location and all this stuff, like, did you start to feel kind of some of that distance, you know, where you know what you're longing for now, but life is just telling you no, like it's too hard? Like, what did that feel like? So faith-wise, I think this was a, a part of my life where I had to <laughs> discern what I was doing and why. Yeah. So church had become and community had become this and rightfully so, very comfortable, safe place for me. But the people I was doing life with couldn't live out my faith. Sure. Right? So at this point, there was a crossroads. You know, for me, it was like, am I just going to um, sort of go numb and put on the whole, like, face, you know, and be like, yeah, I'm, you know, I have a strong faith and I'm serving in the church and all this yeah. and um, I, I just knew I couldn't live like that I did not want to live like that okay. so at that point I had to make a decision like I'm going to dig deeper into my faith um, and I have to do that yeah. and in the years after Evie was born I definitely it was a roller coaster yeah at one point I yeah I would say I, I started to struggle yeah. a little bit yeah. with who God who God is and who he, who he is to me and my relationship with Jesus. But I knew it was a good place for me to be and I stayed there and I kept digging in um, to all of that. Yeah. Which, you know, eventually you guys have another kid. What was life like kind of leading into Dean and after Dean? Yeah. So Dean was born in 2016. I would say we settled into like what was the norm for us. And that was, he worked long hours. I stayed at home with the kids. And so a lot of my identity and my motivation um, on a daily basis was the kids. I loved being a stay-at-home mom. Yeah. Northern Virginia is insane, but being a mom there is great because yeah. you have fingertip or you have resources at your Everywhere. fingertips yeah. all the time. And so we were always a part of a group and we're always doing some fun activity and we're always like going to see something or do something. And a lot of it's free, which yeah. I don't think people realize. Yeah. So, and I had a great group of friends who were moms that I connected with and we did life together with young kids. Yeah. And one in particular, uh, my friend Joanna, she, um, she has always been someone who's challenged me in my faith. I was, I would talk to her about, you know, the things I was struggling with in our marriage and, um, the ways we weren't connecting, the yeah. ways that we were both withdrawn and, um, just not walking in alignment and how I just didn't know, I, I couldn't fix that myself sure. and being married to someone who also didn't know how to fix it. Yeah. I just, um, you know, she was someone that um, really challenged me and all of that and encouraged me. Um, so, yeah, so I had a really good, once I decided, you know, I'm going to just keep pushing into my faith. I can't be responsible for anyone yeah. else's. I have to be responsible for mine. That helped a lot. So, but yeah, Dean was born in, in 2016. I was doing the stay-at-home mom thing. And in 2017, when Dean was about a year old, we we finally came to a point where we are like, this is... This is really expensive living down here. We have two growing kids, but no space because yep. it's $5 million to have a tiny little, yep. you know, town home there. And so we're like, all right, you know, let's look at, let's look at other areas um, that might be more affordable, but close by so that, you know, he could get into DC for work. We looked at places in further out in Northern Virginia, 
Maryland wasn't really on our radar. Yeah. But in December of 2017, I we were still living at the time. Actually, we were in Alexandria, and I brought Evelyn at the time. She was four. I brought her up to the Weinberg Center um, oh, to yeah. see the Nutcracker Ballet, um, December of of 2017, and we had like our little mom Evie date, and then on the drive away from Frederick, I just I felt and heard that nudge. It was just this loud and clear Frederick. Weird. Uh-huh. Yeah, we were jabbing my eyes like, how has this never come up in conversation? How did we not realize? Yeah. We had been actually even considering Harper's Ferry yeah. and Charlestown, West Virginia, and parts of like Loudoun County. I was like, how did we never think of Frederick? But as I was driving away, I just, I felt something so deep in, in inside. And you know, I know that that's, yeah. That's God. Um, yeah, so I went home and I was like, Frederick's kind of awesome. Yeah. Like, it's a great little town. It actually, in some ways, reminds me a little bit of Ohio, where it's like there's sure. this city area, and then you go two steps outside of the city. It's just yeah. cornfields yeah. everywhere. Yeah. Um, and uh, and so we're like, all right, let's look, in, let's look in the Frederick area. And that led us to moving up here and buying a house in Middletown in the spring of 2018. Wow. And so when Chad at The Journey yep. caught wind that we were moving up to Frederick, um, it was a really hard goodbye. We had spent a lot of time there. We felt very loved. Chad had just become pastor yep. after Jerry. Yep. Um, so we really spent most of our time there with Jerry, but also really loved Chad. And he, he was like, hey, you need to check out this new church that's starting, you know, just yeah. started. Yep. Um, you gotta reach out to Michael at Collective. And so what did I do the first Sunday we lived here? Went to another church. <laughs> <laughs> and um, it wasn't terrible, but it was like, uh, I was like, this just isn't the right fit. Yeah. I was like, I got to listen to Chad. I'm going to I'm gonna check out uh, Collective. Right. I didn't know you went somewhere else first. That's good. I did. <laughs> I sure did. But it, yeah, so, so we ended up coming and checking out Collective um, in May of 2018 when yeah. we moved up here. And... Um, the timing for that <laughs> was absolutely, um, I totally believe, God's intervention. Yeah. Um, because it was about a month after we moved to Frederick that um, someone extremely close to me, arguably the closest person to me outside of um, my husband at the time and my children called me and shared that she and my husband, my then husband, had been having an affair. And at that point, it had been going on for six months. And um, it just, it flipped my world yeah. completely upside down. Everything I had built my life on just felt like it, it dissipated. Yeah. Um, and I remember feeling, I, I had sort of, Again, because of the disconnection in our marriage, I just had this feeling sure. like something yeah. Yeah. might, but there was nothing like so obvious that I, I could like say, I saw this, I heard this. It was just all like this, these things that I sensed and I didn't, um, yeah, I didn't want to believe it either. Yeah. I thought it was crazy and I was in a marriage that kind of made me feel that way. And so, so when she shared that, I remember sitting on it for a day or two and then he came home from work and I we just had this conversation um that was really kind of short and matter of fact I was like you know she called me she shared this I know what's going on and there was just no real emotion yeah. from him there was no real desire to work towards reconciliation and he moved out shortly after that and so I went from loving that stay-at-home mom life and this life that I had created in um, Springfield and Alexandria, moved up here, you know, new house, new community, um, had just started coming to collective yep. and, you know, immediately going to, I'm a single mom, yep. didn't build a career, I have no income of my own, I haven't saved anything, I don't have a ton of experience 
outside of teaching yoga classes, teaching swim lessons, sure. and you can't make a living off of that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> with two kids, even in Frederick, which is more affordable. Two kids, yeah. yeah. And yeah, two kids that I had to take care of. Um, my daughter was five at the time. Uh, my son went, had just turned two. Once again, I found myself uh, in a community of people who I think at that point was like, okay, I, f- I found collective. This feels really good. It feels like where I need to be, but is this okay? Yeah. And I remember there was one Sunday I was leaving the middle school. We kind of exchanged like a very brief look and very brief conversation. And later it was because you, you noticed that my ex-husband hadn't been coming. Mm-hmm. And so then I just sent you an email and I laid it all out there. It was like, I'm literally going through a divorce. I'm losing my mind. Like I'm disoriented. I'm numb. I don't know like how yeah. to handle all this. And you're like, okay, cool. Like you're in great company. Yeah. Um, we have people here who have gone through the same thing or who are going through the same thing right now. And it's like, okay, well, this is where, this is my, this is my safe place. Yeah. One thing that's, it's funny just looking back on that because I, I think there's a lot of things that happened in the first year, few years of Collective, specifically that first year. That first year was brutal. There was a lot of me saying, like, you're going to be okay here. And I think that I knew that. God was telling me, like, this is a good place for this to happen. But I also know that a big part of it was a lot of people in the first few years specifically trusting this church and this community, but also, like, creating this church and this community, you know? Because at the time, it was like I knew— that you could be messy here. That was that was easy. Like we're not, you know, no issue on that end. But so much of the vulnerability that we have now at Collective was you guys, like this group of people in the beginning going through these hard things and going, this is who I am, like take it or leave it. And it's really interesting because there's this really devastating moment in your life that ends up helping this church be what it is. Because from the start, you were like, here's what I'm going through. And it was cool because I remember you came over to her house and... Harper was a newborn. Was a newborn, yeah. yeah. And um, Elise is my oldest kid and she's a bit crazy. Um, but she like knew Evie and Dean, so like they were having tons of fun. We lived in this like really tiny house. And I just remember you saying like, I know I'm going to be okay. I just have to trust that God will get me through the next year. And so that next year for you, I mean, I'll say like as one of my friends, like I learned a lot about single momhood and how I believe like the most marginalized group of people in the church are single moms because they have to work harder than everybody else. But man, did you show up and you didn't just show up at church. You served, right? Like while being a single mom, you're like, and, and, and they were young kids. Like Dean was in that awful, like, two- to three-year-old age. He was a wreck. Oh, yeah. man. I mean, he still kind of is, but back then, he yeah. was uh, <laughs> But, like, he, he was, was at that age, and, like, yeah. there's inconsistency in his life, and dad isn't there all the time, Correct. you yeah. know, and and really, like, that's partly the job that he had, but now it's, like, this new development. But, man, you showed up. You brought your kids. You started serving. You started leading during this season hosted youth collective in hosted my youth home, collective at your which home which was in those days just you know us trying to figure out what that even like looked like yeah. so yeah, yeah. And, and you do all this through your life being turned upside down you know and one of the reasons why this podcast started was this your story matter series this idea that god can take these terrible things and turn them into good literally you are willing and open enough to God to where the home that is wrecked is then becoming a safe place for our first middle school and high school students ever for a while, like not just like a season, like for a while. So talk to us, and and there's a good turn coming for everybody who's like now super depressed. Why in that season, though, do you lean into your faith? Do you lean into your church community? Do you help create that community for others? Do you choose vulnerability? Because at that point, there is no track record, right? There is no, well, we all know Jess, therefore this is Jess. You're still very new to Collective. Collective is just a new thing in general. Why through that next year specifically, when your life has been completely turned upside down, do you lean in more? I knew that, again, I came to a crossroads in my life. Like I could choose 
to be angry. I could choose to be bitter. I could choose to fight for what's mine, or what I believe is mine. And I could bring, you know, all that negativity into this next, like, season of my life. Yeah. But I, I chose to forgive and I chose to focus on myself, on my faith, and on my kids. And that was really the focus. And I knew this was a good place to be, yeah. to do that. But again, it was another it was another place where I had to decide, like, is this just going to be the safe place that I use? Sure. Or, sure. and even invest in, but not grow in? So that actually ended up, that question, you know, and that crossroads, and that choice ended up um, leading me to baptism in yeah. January of 2019 and you baptized me in the in the middle school and that was really my that was like that was my stance I was yeah. like I am all in yeah. my faith is the most important thing to me I'm not going to allow what's happening to me to dictate my faith um I want it to strengthen yeah. my faith and so I think that's kind of that's how I've lived life. That's how I've lived my life is every hard thing I just double down on my faith. I'm like, yeah. okay. Yeah. I'm just going to I'm just going to push harder through this. Yeah. I'm going to figure out how to do this and um and dig further into it and do that in community and do yeah. that through serving because I think one of the most important parts I, I don't think I've gotten through you know what I've gotten through in my life and there's more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um you know without Jesus and without my faith there's yeah. just no it doesn't make sense otherwise uh, correct me if i'm wrong you get baptized january 2019 and the people who made terrible decisions to wreck your life are there they both came yeah yeah um so when just talks about forgiveness i need y'all to know that it's not like some weak watered down version of forgiveness like it is a it is a pure letting go. And with forgiveness, you know, life happens. And, and, and forgiveness is a I'm choosing to do this over and over and over again because, you know, as kids get older, as you eventually meet Cole, like as things happen, like there's pains that get brought up and you, and you have to wrestle with that forgiveness again. Why did you invite them to this moment? The best way to summarize it is I'm not the center of my story. If this was all about sure. me then it would be like, no, you can't be a part of this. This is my thing. Yeah. It's no, this is my faith. It's important to me that my kids see that lived out. And it's important to me that I show um, and I, I live out that forgiveness. And part of that was letting them know, hey, I'm making this huge decision in my life. Yeah. Um, and I'm excited about it. And I want the kids to see it. And you are more than welcome yep. to be in that space because it's a safe place for you too. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, sure, you you had an affair yeah. with each other and you, sure, arguably wrecked my life. But there are also people in this church who have done that. Yeah. And we're not excluding anyone from experiencing Jesus and knowing him. So be be yep. here like yep. i'm not hear, my I, baptism isn't the thing that's gonna save you but maybe yep. you will come in and you will see and experience what it's like yep. um to be close to jesus and so that was really important to yeah. me when you and i talked about it so much of it was that it wasn't this is bitterness this wasn't i need you to see that i'm i've got it like it was you understanding that what they both needed in their life was to turn their attention back toward who Jesus is and to get out of their sin, to get out of their own heads, to get out of their own way. At that point, um, for the person that was really close to you too, it's to get out of the shame that could destroy her for the rest of her life. And so much of it was you trying to show them, like, this is what grace looks like. And it's funny because, like, it's this beautiful moment that this, like, unique group of people at Collective were aware of. The whole church doesn't, you know, know that that happened. But it is a really big deal because I would argue that both of those people now, if you look at their faith, it has grown. There has been healing. There has been restoration. Um, there has been repentance. You know, it wasn't just a grace thing. Like, eventually, they both acknowledge the way they're falling short. And now if people like from the outside looking in, like saw, you'd be like, you wouldn't guess that this whole scenario played out. 
and and you wouldn't take credit for that, and I understand that, but I do just want to encourage you, but also people listening, like, hey, when you create opportunities for grace to be seen and felt and experienced, like, it will be seen and felt and experienced, and you created this moment for what ends up being kind of the bigger picture of, of your life, you know, the, in the big circle of your life saying, okay, here's what grace looks like. I hope you experience this too. And, and arguably like they have, um, and that's a whole other story for another time, probably a whole other podcast episode about like how they get to that point. But, you know, even in that moment for you, you're not thinking you, right. You're thinking about the community that you have and how they need to experience this as well. So you get baptized January of 2019. Kind of talk to us about what comes next. I would say that that decision and that point was definitely, um, it was an uphill climb, but um, it wasn't a stormy, hazy uphill climb. I had clear um, focus and clear vision for like where I wanted to go and what I wanted to do. Um, at the end of 2018, I was fortunate enough to um, find work remotely, yeah. which was wonderful. So I was able to balance working at home with getting the kids um, taken care of. You know, like at the time, my daughter was in kindergarten. Yeah, kindergarten. My son was in preschool. Um, so I found a way to balance all of that. And, yeah. and then again, yeah, threw myself into community here and dug even deeper into my faith. And yeah, at that time, I guess I was leading leading groups, yep. still hosting youth collective, yep. serving on Sunday mornings. And 2019, I would say, is like a peak year in my life, yeah. for sure. <laughs> yeah. And then March 2020 happened, yep. the pandemic, which destroyed everyone's like sense of normalcy and groundedness. And so that year, obviously, was challenging in multiple ways. Um, and so Cole and I had met sometime in 2019, I think for the first time, yeah. his mom actually introduced us to each other okay. in the lobby of the middle school. Yeah. We knew of each other. Cause that's the thing is single parents are very aware of other single yeah. parents. Cause we're like, we're a really <clears throat> small group, you yeah. know? Um, but we see and understand, you know, what you're going through. Like I yeah. know. And just I, to show up. Just to, to show, show up on time. Just like, to show yeah. up. I know. Yeah. And it's like, if your kids look like a disheveled mess, it's like, we uh-huh. get it. We yeah. understand. You got them out the door. The <laughs> or if you're yelling at one of your yeah, kids yeah. in the parking lot because he won't come in because I mean, he's 13 and he doesn't want to go to church. Yeah. Or wear shoes or, you know, put on a coat when it's snowing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so we're in the middle school. Pandemic hits. The last Sunday we're in the middle school. I literally carried Evelyn and Dean screaming out of the mm-hmm. building because they were sick. Yeah. And I started feeling not well, and they did not want to leave. Yeah. They loved being yeah. in collective kids. And which, again, going back, back to the. I was back there with them that Sunday, yeah. too. I remember them being upset. Mm-hmm. Gosh, I forgot yeah. about that. Going back to single parenthood, that was such a gift, too, to like know how much my kids yeah. loved being yeah. in that space and wanted to be in that space. And because at the time I was serving on Sunday mornings, you know, I would wake them up especially in the fall and winter before the sun even yeah. came up and they just knew we were going to wake up at 6 a.m. We're going to be at collective uh, or, you know, the middle school yeah. until yeah. about 1231. Yeah. And, and they loved it. Yeah. And that was just a part of their life. It wasn't anything that, um, you know, was out of the ordinary yeah. for them. And so they were so devastated when I was like, no, you're actually like legitimately ill. You yeah. can't be here. We have to go home. And you're also like, we'll come back next week. And, and we like, did it, Michael. <laughs> did it. And the plot thickens. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was so, too, there was a lot of change there because I think um, we had at that time, collective been growing. Again, we had just finished, well, we just started our capital campaign to get into a building. And I'm pretty sure through January of that year, we're like interviewing you for the connections job because you're crushing it as a leader on that team. So I was like, this is a great decision. Let's hire Jess. You know, in that first year really of you, um, you know, that, that year long period where you're married, but you're going through a divorce, which typically in the state of Maryland, they, they put kind of time limits on it. In that year, like you for all purposes were single, but like on paper it said married and you're like, nope, I'm going to honor this until 
the last day. And for me, there was like a ton of integrity there because uh, it would have been really easy to start dating and like figure that out while, you're, while you know your marriage is on the way out. But like, I'm pretty sure during January of that year, we're like, all right, like we're going to hire Jess and we like offer you the job. I think the week that your, your kids left, cause you started your first day was the first day of the, the first pandemic. Day of the pandemic. Michael. Yeah. So you, you'll <laughs> notice this trend in my life where something like incredible happens. Yeah. You know, I hear God's voice. I'm yeah. prompted and I move towards something yeah. and then something just devastating yeah. happens. Like that is, that is just this pattern in my life that yeah. I, is it's incredibly frustrating but yeah my first day on the job um, here at collective was the first day of the pandemic and i remember we met at the office when yeah. we were on east street yeah just so we could have breakfast and be like it's jess's first day of work and then we were we worked for Remote. from home until like august or september yeah. of that year once we started moving towards like actually having yeah. building space yeah which is that just, was insane it was not great um, you, one of the things that you and I talk about a lot was the timing of that and how everything felt so right. And now we're realizing, like looking back at it, like God, I think God blessed Collective with you during that season. It's it's awful. And like the, the 52 weeks we were online were brutal. But we couldn't have got through those 52 weeks without you and your heart for community. And so it feels weird to be like, God gave you us specifically for that, like COVID, that like the year plus the next six months, which were just impossible. But at the same time, it's like, cause, cause I think for both of us, it's like, man, this felt like long-term, but now looking back, we're like, oh no, God gave us just to help us be reminded of community and to kind of create that community during this really bad season. It sucks, you know, because it, it wasn't what either of us or anybody wanted, but even in spite of that, like one of the things that you kept doing for us was kept creating community for us. Um, you're a huge part of all the weird stuff we did, the Shave Thy Social and the worship services in the parking lots and oh, yeah. <laughs> the beer giveaway <laughs> yes. uh, yeah. in the parking lot of Nimeo in the 150 degree weather. Flowers, which we went from Mother's Day flowers that year during 2020 and it was like bitter cold outside. Mm-hmm. Um, to sweating our butts off a month later for Father's Day. But part of like your role in this church ended up being seeing people and you saw people and it was really good for us. It was a terrible season. I we're turning six this fall. This actually this episode comes out about a month after we turned six. I, in my brain, we're still turning five because that whole year was just devastating. But in spite of like that rough year, the job change, which felt so good and then COVID hits, you do have a really good thing that starts to happen, which is you start to connect with Cole in a pandemic, right? Like, did you guys, before the pandemic hit, had you guys, you knew each other? We did. We had, like, again, you have that radar up for other single people, but there's just something about Cole that I, I paid more attention to. Um, <laughs> it was probably his beard. Good. Yeah, it was yeah. the beard was that went way time. down. Yeah, yeah. It was, yeah. Really long and bright orange. Anyway, yeah. no, I, I just, I could sense, I just admired the way he carried himself and sensed that he had a depth um, yep. to him and I wanted to just um, get to know him. And we definitely had a few exchanges, like very brief exchanges in both 2019 and in 2020. But when we handed out Father's Day beers yeah. in the... In the parking lot, the parking lot <laughs> yeah, which I weirdly, like, that was such a strange phone call. I was uh-huh. like, hey, can we use your parking lot? Because we can't use any inside space yeah. because COVID. But uh, yeah, you drove up. I, we were handing out beers and he drove up. I think either Preston or Wes. Preston. Preston was in the front seat. Yeah. And... You know, he. I was gonna. I was gonna hand him a beer, but you actually ended up handing him the beer, Michael, oh, because no. because someone else pulled up and my heart was torn. I was like, I really want to like connect with him. Yeah. But there's this is like my job, yeah. and there's another like it's, yeah. yeah, not time to flirt. And then shaved ice social was another time we got to interact. I'm going to that let, was also in the Nimeo parking lot. Right? Yes. Yeah, and yeah. I'm gonna let him explain that story, because um, it's kind of comical. But after that was really, we both like had connected we both had our eyes on each other kind of unbeknownst to each other and then cole would later share with me that 
starting at the beginning of that year, um, God had placed on his heart to start praying for me, and he had been, um, which is a really, really cool thing. So I'm going to let him talk a little bit more about that, though. Yeah. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to pause this episode and leave you guys on the hook a little bit. Um, I do want to encourage you, part two, uh, Cole's going to share his story, how they met, how really how this this incredible thing where God <laughs> tells you to do something and you do it, not understanding the outcome. And then years later, you look back and go, oh man, like this is what God wanted for me. And there's a lot of devastation that happens in between, but it gets you to a place where it's like, I had no idea that this is what God was leading me toward you know, when he started putting these burdens on my heart. And so I encourage you, don't skip the next episode as Cole shares. And then just to kind of give a little bit of a teaser, Cole and Jess share, like all these great things happen, very much feels God ordained. Um, but then there's still pain because um, life is life. And so come back next week f- for part two as Cole and Jess share their story. Thank you for joining us on this one. Thank you.